Hello, my name is Amy Toy, the host of Angel Answers with Amy Toy. Besides being a radio show host, I'm also an intuitive counselor who provides spiritual insight into matters of the heart. Are you confused about your love life? Thinking of getting a new job? Wondering about your purpose and why you are here? I work very closely with not only the angelic realm, but also those who have crossed over to the other side. All sessions are strictly confidential. I also offer long-distance healing sessions using angelic energy. This angelic energy, also known as Integrated Energy Therapy, IET, can be done through Skype or on the phone and helps you get the issues out of the tissues. For first-time clients only, I am offering a 20% discount. You can find me online on amytoyamytoy.com, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or email me at angelicamy35 at gmail.com or simply call 727-514-7323. May the angels carry you through, and this is for entertainment purposes only. Hi, welcome to Angel Answers with Amy Toy. I'm your host, Amy Toy. We have a, I call you guys repeat offenders when you come on the show more than once. I think you're <laughs> Diane Pomerantz. <laughs> and today we're going to do a little different because Diane's very multifaceted. She is an author of nine nonfiction books, most of which are nonfiction about animals, including When Your Pet Dies, Animal Companions in Our Hearts, Our Lives, and Our World. Animal Companions, Your Friends, Teachers, and Guides, Animal Elders, Caring About Our Aging Animal Companions, Finding Peace After Loss of a Beloved Animal Companion, Pet Parenthood, Adopting the Right Animal Companion for You, and finally, our Rescue Dog Family Album, which is an homage to a 43 neglected animal, abused and neglected animals which were rescued, socialized, and adopted over the past few decades. Diane Pomerantz is a highly regarded as a pet expert and also as a grief counselor, has created and directs the Pet Grief Counseling Program for the SBCA of Texas in Dallas. Now in her 18th year, the program helps people cope with and recover from the loss of beloved animal companions. Its services are offered free to the public. Dr. Pomerantz is an ardent animal lover and activist and has a profound respect for nature and all are living furry creatures. Welcome, Diane. How you doing? I'm That was a long well introduction. <laughs> that was a long introduction. <laughs> it's been a long life. What can I tell you? Yes. <laughs> it's been a long life. <laughs> so, but, yes, thank you for that. And speaking of which, uh, we all have, uh, all five of my babies are with us right now. <laughs> As are oh, mine oh. with me. Oh, boy, <laughs> we could have a community discussion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my what, canine what kids are at the back door. Okay, guys. Daphne, <laughs> Dahlia, heads up. <laughs> They're we're so all, much fun. All. They're so much fun. I adore them. My best friends. They, yes, they do. Um, Diane, how did you get into this work with uh, working with animals, becoming a pet expert? Childhood, loving animals, loving the squirrels, loving every bird. Every, I loved caterpillars, butterflies. You know, it began then. And uh, I had a parakeet. Uh, then I had five parakeets. Uh, they kept multiplying. Oh. And uh, finally, a little dog, a Yorkshire Terrier oh. named Goliath. 
and he was itsy bitsy, but he was their oh strong personality. And from there on, I rescued animals as kids. I would find the birds that had fallen from the nest. Uh, you know, I'd be saving pigeons. I mean, downtown, I brought one to a vet who had fallen against a window. It was just my nature. It was just meant to be because I, I love the animals. And uh, so that's where it all began. Well, that's great. I love it. Yeah, I know. They, you know, my nice best friend growing up, she wanted to be a vet student. We always had chickens and geese, and she rescued everything. Our mother's like, what are you rescuing now? Exactly. <laughs> I said, hey, Linda, at least she's not bringing home strays that are two-legged. You know, four-legged's better than two-legged. She would laugh. <laughs> That's you know? right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely better than two-legged. Sometimes it's better. <laughs> like, no, not going I know. <laughs> they, should be ex- they should be elected. You know, and the government <laughs> positions, in my personal opinion. Well, you know, it would probably be, uh, geese would probably be better than uh, some people with their hair, you know, the person who's elected president that needs another Oval Office for a piece of hair. But that's another uh, there story. You go. That's another guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you've written many books about pet companions. Are you able to tune into them, or what's What's your forte with animals? Because some people well, just have I adore them first and foremost. Yeah. I, you know, love speaks to them, and there yeah. anyone who's been around animals extensively um, knows that they have radar. They're highly intuitive. Yeah. They're attuned to Mother Earth. Uh, they live generally in harmony with one another mm-hmm. and the planet. And uh, tell that to a cat, right? Um, but no, um, they. And and just to get back to how I really got involved with animals, I had uh, adopted, as I said, many strays along the way, cats, mm. dogs. I smuggled a cat into my dorm room in college, and uh, so on and so forth. But I had saved one in particular in a park in Los Angeles, which is where I was living at the time. And this stray, I didn't really know what he was. I hadn't seen a dog that looked like that before. Um, but he, we had an international entourage chasing this dog so we could rescue him. And living in L.A., we had, I mean, multi-ethnic. It was just like 20-something people all going after this poor starved, emaciated, uh, had many, many sores and wounds, and we were all out to get him so that we could rescue him and take him to safety, take him to a vet, mm-hmm. give him the care he needed, etc. And long story short, um, an Iranian girl named Marina was the one that had led this entourage, and actually it's very comical, and I wrote a children's book about it called uh, The Story of Mies and Shmees. And that's because um, the Iranian girl named the dog. I asked her to name him, even though I ended up adopting him. Um, and okay. she named him in honor of her dog from Iran named Caesar. Mm-hmm. You know, the almighty, oh, really? the great and noble Caesar. Well, this dog was nothing like a Caesar. He was like this little stuffed toy and cuddly and gentle and scared of his own shadow. So when she mm-hmm. wasn't looking, no, actually, she knew about it. We renamed him the Shmees. And so he oh, really? was the Schmies because he was so soft. He was no way Caesar. And he uh-huh. had those beautiful, gentle brown eyes. And mm-hmm. uh, we had him for almost 14 years, and he developed osteosarcoma, which is bone cancer. And right. uh, 
And this is obviously long after I adopted him. And when we adopted him, he was so fragile. And he used to have seizures by the front door. And if people came into our study, he would shiver and shake. It took us almost two and a half years to rehabilitate him. And Mm -hmm. um, anyway, after he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, uh, I I was beyond devastated. Um, I loved him. It was more than losing my father, uh, my aunt, my uh, yep. dear friend mm-hmm. to AIDS. On and on, there was nothing that impacted me so profoundly as Caesar's prognosis and then his death. And so I took him to holistic vets. Um, I took him okay. to occupational therapists that I bartered with. Uh, I took mm-hmm. him to, and that was fun, going to her office. And, um, you know, she just loved doing that work, so it worked out really well. But anyway, um, we also had the homeopathic vet and, of course, the traditional. So he had he benefited from every kind of uh, treatment, and ultimately mm-hmm. he died three days after Christmas in 1998. Mm-hmm. And Aww. I was so mm-hmm. devastated, and no one understood, not my family, not my husband, no one. And um, I couldn't understand how they couldn't understand. And even my mother-in-law would tell me, well, you can get another. And I said, you have no idea how much he meant to me. I mean, I took him everywhere with me. And uh, I did an interview for KERA, public broadcasting affiliate in Dallas, and he went with me. I mean, he went everywhere Mm -hmm. I went. And so when he died, I was so emotionally devastated and exhausted from the hospice care because, of course, it was 24-7 meds every couple of hours and on and on and on, that um, I created the Pet Grief Counseling Program for the Mm -hmm. SPCA of Texas and Dallas. And it's a flagship pioneer program. It's now going into its 19th year. And at the same time, I wrote a book for children called When Your Pet Dies with an accompanying CD. And again, I have felt so powerfully that we as a society know so little about grief and and how Mm -hmm. to cope with and recover from it that it needs Mm -hmm. to begin with children because they're the ones that are, their parents are separating, they're divorced, uh, they lose Mm -hmm. a friend in a shooting in school, whatever the case might be that these kids are coping, whether they're struggling to cope with loss. And so when your pet dies, Deed dealt with that and helped them. And it's used in schools, actually, um, all over the country and is in libraries. So, um, But it's, it's a primer on how to cope with and recover from grief. And number one being express your feelings openly and honestly. And first of all, first and foremost, of course, identify that you're grieving. So there are certain techniques that this book um, addresses, and if you adhere to these techniques, you will cope with and recover from grief. And everyone grieves differently, but yes, uh, it was do. very powerful. Yes. And the Dallas program, yes. as I said, is a flagship. Mm-hmm. And what we do mm-hmm. is uh, we're free to the public. Anyone who's lost a beloved animal companion or has an aging animal companion and is contemplating euthanasia or knowing that the death is imminent can come. And we offer phone counseling, one-on-one counseling, and it's absolutely free to the public. So I'm real proud of the program. It sounds like it. And you're right. I mean, sometimes children, their first encounter with grief is maybe losing of a loss of a pet. Exactly. you know, like you said. Exactly. And, I mean, um, my experience was with an uncle died when I was 
five years old. I didn't even know what death was. And um, Exactly. You don't know what it is. And I, you, you know, I was an adult when Caesar died. I could have known so much more, and I never anticipated that overwhelming despair and sadness and depression. I was shocked by it, because mm-hmm. as I said, yeah. my dad had died of lung cancer, and I had, had other major losses, mm-hmm. and uh, my mentor was a long story, but at the same time Caesar died, I was looking for help, and there were virtually no resources that I could find. There were very few books on death, and particularly pet death. I mean, that was, what? Pet death? What are you talking about? It's only a dog. It's only a cat. Get over it. And so uh, that's why I wrote the first book, and again, for children, because I felt their parents could read aloud with them. They could listen to the audio cassette. Uh, and it was, uh, no, it was actually a CD at that time. That's right, it was a CD. And um, they could listen with their parents or they could listen in school and have their teacher explain various passages and so on. But that was momentous. And it, it was from that point on that I viewed everything I wrote about animals as Caesar's legacy. And that's his gift yeah. to your radio program to all the people that listen and find comfort and solace through, you know, reading and learning about how important animals truly are um, Mm -hmm. to our daily lives, how they enrich our lives, uh, Mm -hmm. the significance and, and, and meaningfulness of their lives, which many of us don't really pay attention to while they're around. We pet them and we play with them, but we don't really think about how important a role they play in our world, in yeah. our lives. And that's in almost every culture, except Korea, where they eat dogs. But, hey. Well, you know what? I'm not going for Chinese now, okay? Um, <laughs> you know, like you, shy cat or something. Uh, but, um, but, no, I was, you know, I was thinking about when I was um, leaving, um, you know, a lot of my listeners know I left from Buffalo, New York, down to Tampa, Florida here. I had six cats at the time. And me and my ex were fighting over who was going to get the lat, the two youngest cats. And I said, you can't even take care of yourself. You're going to take care of Ambrose and Max? Max? I don't think so. So they were very important to me during my move, extremely yes. important. Yes. And I transported uh, six cat carriers with the Hyundai Santa Fe, you know, with these guys, and um, in and out of hotel rooms, sneaking them in. Make sure. Make in sure there, done the that. Hotel had, yeah, had you know, like an outdoor, uh, you know, in in and out, you know, outside um, and entrance, you know, so I wouldn't have to go through the lobby. And um, I did it with six cats at the time, and I don't know how I did it, but they got me through my divorce. It was the loneliness time of my life, and um, I'm glad I have them. I still oh, am yeah. very grateful. You That's know, really and, funny uh, you would mention that. Um, I got divorced about six years ago. And uh, my husband, it was a horrible divorce. It was acrimonious for mm. no reason. It just, I had been married for 39 years. And, um, wow, that's yeah. a vintage marriage and, in the law. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I had many along the way assisted animal therapy dogs that used to go in hospitals, care flights, ERs, assisted living centers, and so on. And they were healing mm. dogs. And we can talk a little later about. Uh, assisted animal therapy because it's wonderful. And Florence Nightingale, in fact, the famous nurse, recognized Mm -hmm. how helpful in healing these animals could be. 
But anyway, my husband took me to an emergency court hearing. I had a half hour notice to get to court over my assisted animal therapy dog, a dachshund named um, Oscar. And I was shaking like a leaf. I mean, the worst thing I've ever committed in my life is a parking ticket. That's the worst offense. And here I was in a court with a gallery because they have people from the case before you and then people waiting for the case after you. And I was shaking, trembling. And in the meantime, I had my friends from the SPCA um, look in on on Oscar, who was at home, and make Mm -hmm. sure he was okay. And anyway, um, the judge read one of my books. And um, my my husband's attorney, though, this was supposed to work against me. My husband's attorney had brought in the seven books about animals at the time and uh, gave them to the judge, and I think she wanted to point a picture of me as the crazy dog lady or whatever, you know. Look how many animals she's got, and blah, blah. And the judge read our Rescue Dog Family album, which is an homage to the many dogs that I've rescued and adopted. Um, and he read the foreword, and he did not just peruse it. You could, he took five minutes to read it, and you could see him going line by line. Then he glanced through the rest of the book, and he took his glasses off, and he looked toward the gallery, and he said, Mm -hmm. Diane gets custody of the dog. She gets custody of all the dogs. And I was, I can't even tell you, elated, but just I was so tearful because it had been such an ordeal that of course, I was the caregiver, the nurturer, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, my husband played with them and whatever, but I was the primary caregiver and, and the one who took him for the rides in the car and all that. And so, yeah, that was my, my divorce story. So we can compare notes. Well, mine was, more, was easier because he really didn't have a legal leg to stand on. So everything was in my name, and he couldn't have anything, and... Um, I said, well, you know, you're getting the house, you're getting the furnishings, I want the cats, and I want my personal belongings. And, and according to You the know, law, you're so I funny, was, and that was what was most valuable to me, my baby. Yes. Yeah, I didn't, yeah I didn't he give took him most of everything him. else. Yeah, I, I was like, you can have the house, you can buy me out. I don't really give a crap, I just want my animals, because That's you right. can't even take care of yourself, you stupid. You know, I, I could call them a few choice names. But, you know, hey, that was almost five, six years Didn't ago. Didn't we myself. all? And um, I was very grateful that I got out of that. So, yes. Yeah. I as well. You know it was just meant to be, and timing is everything. And, oh, my God, have I loved being alone. People don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't feel lonely. I never have felt lonely. I've got my babies with me. I've got nature. I have property with hundreds of trees on it. And every day mm-hmm. I wake up, and I am so thankful, so grateful for the beauty of those trees. And, yes, I'm a tree hugger, and, and you know, I listen mm-hmm. to the birds, and I just love nature. So I'm very comforted by nature. Yeah, people just, you know, they just don't seem to understand. You know, they really don't. And um, Well, they need to take the time to understand. In fact, I'm working on a book now that I hope will be out soon. It's called The Power of Being Alone. 
and it addresses the need for everyone, whether you're married, whether you've been married 10 times, whether you've got 20 children, whatever it might be, you need to take time to be alone with yourself and to get to know yourself and your priorities Mm -hmm. and what you're really about and, and explore. And anyway, that's a whole other story, but yeah. Yeah, sometimes I would just rather hang out with the cats than hang out yeah. with some people. Well, you know, they're, they're pure of heart. And that's mm-hmm. something that sadly, sadly cannot be said about people. So, yeah, so, you know, being divorced and, and, you know, going through all this stuff, I think that animals are very important and they're they're great. I mean, they've done studies where... If you have a pet and you're petting them and everything, you have lower blood pressure, you have a longer life expectancy. Uh, having a pet is very beneficial. And I encourage so people many can, to do it. I mean, I would love to adopt more, but um, some people don't know I have as many as I do. <laughs> ah, for too long. For so long I lived that way. Now I live in the country where I can have as many legally as, as I want. But... Yeah. Um, you know, um, it's it's something, again, that people don't think about, but think in terms of being uh, a widow or widow, a widower or separated or divorced or elderly and you've mm-hmm. outlived your spouse or even your human children. Um, I, as a grief counselor, and I didn't tell you that part, after Caesar died, I read mm-hmm. hundreds of books, and ultimately I found one that was so... So helpful and so enriching. It was called the Grief Recovery Handbook. And I'd love our listeners to check that book out. It's called, again, the Grief Recovery Handbook. And it's by John W. James. That's J-A-M-E-S. And there's a nonprofit organization that he started called the Grief Recovery Institute. It's based in Los Angeles. And John James became my mentor. I have found the Grief Recovery Handbook, and it is a methodology to help you. It's like a step program to help you recover from grief. And I ended up studying with John in Colorado in July, which was a very good choice on my part. And um, anyway, I um, became a grief counselor. And okay. uh, I, pardon? Okay. Anyway, so, yeah, I I brought that gift with me from Colorado to Dallas, thinking that I had diamonds in a satchel for how powerful that information was. And so, of course, all my books feature that information. When Your Pet Dies, there's another book I wrote called, it's for adults, it's called Finding Peace After the Loss of a Loved Animal Companion. And it's used in many psychologists' offices, offices mm-hmm. and um, by many just uh, psychiatrists or psychologists because there's so little written on finding peace after the loss and you are embarrassed or ashamed to talk about it's you know your dog your goat your horse your cat your your duck your whatever it might be because um, yeah. again you think people you know are are looking down upon you, and that's not true at all. I mean, it, they do look down on you, but that's, that's because they're ignorant and they don't know how significant a role this animal plays mm-hmm. in your life. And we started to talk about widows and, and elderly mm-hmm. and animals. 
oh my God, and, and I probably will end up writing a book about the importance of animals to the, to the elderly, and that this mm. is the reason they wake up in the morning to take care of their cat or dog, to feed it and play yeah. with it and nurture it. And it's all a way, also a means of socializing adults, because if you're walking a dog down the street or in your complex suburb, whatever it might be, you know, your dog is going to end up introducing you to other people with dogs. And already you have a common base because you both love animals. So it's just something mm-hmm. to keep in mind. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And they help us emotionally, too, I think, you know, or help us. Of course us they do. They ease up. anxiety. They reduce anxiety. Yes, they do. They do. They ease anxiety and they help us with other areas. <laughs> yes. You know, they, they have so them. many gifts. And if yes. you pay attention to them and you observe them, you learn so many life lessons. You learn about mm-hmm. grace. You learn about not whining. You learn about living in the moment with spontaneity. Uh, mm-hmm. You learn to um, appreciate the quiet the peace that they afford just by being authentically who they are. There's no pretense. There's no agenda. They're not standing in line waiting to see what they're going to inherit or what role they're going to play in your, are they going to be, you know, promoted or this or that. No, they're Mm -hmm. just there to be with you and to love you. And again, we're offered unconditional love by them. And I can't think of anyone other than God that offers unconditional love and loyalty Mm -hmm. and devotion and Mm -hmm. asks so little in return. Give Mm -hmm. them some kibble, they're happy. Play with the tennis ball, they're happy. You know, it depends. And cats with their little toys and their cat condos and all that, you know. They're so much fun. And also they, they help us to laugh out loud. If you watch my, I mean, I have dachshunds. I have four of them, and I have two Malamutes. And my dachshunds are amongst themselves. They they talk to each other. And uh, there's one dachshund that's still not too old to get to jump on the bed, and she will toss pillows to the other dachshunds who are on the floor. It's hilarious the things <laughs> that they do. And they think, and they're sentient. They have feelings and emotions just like we do. And they mm-hmm. grieve. When I've lost one of my dogs, uh, you know, I mm-hmm. generally have the vet come to my house so that they're in their own environment and uh, the other dogs around them so that they can actually see what's transpiring and know that, mm-hmm. you know, um, their dog, their brother or sister went peacefully. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been there to put down a couple of animals and, Sometimes my personal opinion is we treat uh, animals, you know, better than we treat humans that are in pain exactly. and terminal exactly. illness. Exactly. That's just my opinion, you know. We can do euthanasia on a, on a dog too. or a cat. Or, yeah. I work and, with a uh, lot of elderly people, and, oh, my gosh, were euthanasia allowed? Because some of them are living in conditions that are beyond deplorable. They're, they're isolated, they're alone, some of them uh, can't talk, some of them can't hear, some of them can't mm-hmm. see, and it's not any one of those things, but it's the combination. And often people will ask me, well, when, it, when do you know it's time to euthanize them? And I always say it's quality of life. 
are they having quality of life? Do they still participate in the family dynamics? Are they eating? Are they immobile? Um, are they incontinent? And I don't think it's one of those issues, but I think the combination of those issues is certainly worth considering in terms of is this time to euthanize my, my angel, my pet. Well, it's a look they give you. There's a look. Yes, if you're perceptive enough to receive and perceive that look, yes, you're right. There's a look, and they will say, they will, and it's interesting because they'll look at you like I'm in pain. I had my last cat I had, which was my ex-husband's cat, believe it or not, and um, when I put the cat carriers down to leave New York, she was the first one in, and I didn't know she was sick when I got her down to Florida, and she got really sick, and... And uh, she was old. I don't even know how old she was. Half of these guys don't even know how old they are. Well, that's uh, it with rescue animals. You do not know. You know, but we had her for four years, and we gave her a good quality of life. And she just gave me that look like, I'm tired. I need to go. And I took her, and the vet was like, are you sure? I said, yeah, she's she's up there. She's probably 18. Because her owner was going into a nursing home, and they got rid of her. We rescued her for four more years. So yeah. she's got it. She had to be 18 at least. Yeah. That's what I'm feeling, you know? And yeah. um, I was glad. I was really glad that we had her. But uh, she used to beat up on Chester, my one cat, who's here, <laughs> Sir Chester. And um, I have one, too. <laughs> Do you know anything about pet behavior, like why a cat would eat cords? My one can't you know, it, it varies as much as human behavior. It can be boredom. Mm-hmm. It can be because they're, they view them as some kind of predator because they move back and forth. And, you know, <laughs> after cats are predators. I never thought of that. Well, oh, there, is so, there are as many explanations as there are cats. You know, and they get some action because if they touch the cord, the cord's going to move a certain way. And they're fascinated right. with movement. Yeah. But I just don't want him to get, like, you know, he's a Maine Coon. I just don't want him to look like he got his paw sucking, you know, stuck in the light socket. Wow. I love you Maine know? Coons. They're gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're they so they calm me down. They do. They're, he's a, he's my youngest, and I love him, but he will just eat cords. I'll come home. I'm trying to do phone. <laughs> oh, my he son has a cord-eating habit, is <laughs> Oh, God. And... And, you know, I have a wire set, I have, you know, a set, um, a phone set that has a, you know, headset, and he will eat that, he loves that cord. I don't know why he eats the phone cord. I have never seen a cat like that. The other ones could care less. This one, he eats it. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah, they each have their idiosyncrasies, just like we do. Yeah, I'm thinking, do I have to give you help or something? I mean, what is wrong with you, Matt? Yeah, and of course, um, you're certainly aware, and you do communicate with animals, right? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, I'm a pet psychic, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he gets mad at me. He just He's lonely. He goes, I'm lonely. I'm here all the time. What are you talking about? You know, they know so much more than we give them credit for. <laughs> and they're so attuned to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I mean... I know people joke about this, but I can be gone and go to the mailbox for two minutes and come back, and it's reunion. It's joyous reunion. Oh, my gosh, she's back. Mama's back. And, you know, they, they're they just 
so that's another reason I love having animals. They're always happy mm-hmm. to see me. I have never yet returned home from somewhere where they are, oh, she's home, who cares? Now they're always, yeah. you know, happily reunited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially my guys. They're all like, and <laughs> what would <laughs> the next, I have a question for you. What would you tell people who are kind of thinking of getting a rescue? What would be your advices to them if they're Get a rescue. Absolutely save a life and get a rescue. And what people aren't aware of necessarily is that there are animals, animal rescue organizations that rescue a particular mm-hmm. breed of animal. So that if yes, you're looking do. for an Alaskan Malamute, you're looking for a poodle. There's poodle rescue. There's dachshund mm-hmm. rescue. These are people that savor a breed and love them and know, you know, the general guidelines of behavior. Uh, they test yeah. them. They socialize them. They train them. So if there's a particular breed you're looking for, check out the rescue groups, and that's easily done on the Internet. Uh, by state, by city, like in Dallas, yep. we have so many rescue organizations for Golden Retriever Rescue, uh, German Shepherd Rescue, and you can get pure blood, beautiful animals of the breed of choice. And if you don't care about a particular breed and just want love, go to the SPCA. Go to the you know local animal welfare organization because these too care. And I know we have a no-kill shelter at the SPCA of Texas. And these animals, we, we pipe in classical music, mellow music. Mm-hmm. The cats have condos. The dogs have pods. And it's like a little apartment. These dogs have, a, you know, a bed and all kinds of goodies to play with. And uh, we have a program called TLC, which is Tender Loving Care. And volunteers sign up to walk these dogs and play with them. And we have many yards. It's a seven-acre property. So these animals are, I mean, in bliss. And, and normally when you go to a shelter, shelter, the animals are so fearful and they're so mm-hmm. upset This is a shelter where these dogs are happy, just happy-go-lucky, and, you know, they just play and they show off. And, of course, you've got some some that are fearful. but um, And and just telling people in general to adopt and save a life, um, it's such an incredible concept. And these animals know that their lives have been saved. And the level of gratitude that they reciprocate um, is just... Uh, it creates such an incredible bond, and um, you have the opportunity to train them. And, and again, our animals, like at the SPCA and many other welfare animal welfare organizations across the country, will tell you all about a particular animal. Like we have little placards with the name of the animal, the weight, uh, when they came in, uh, if they've had any uh, treatment, medical treatment, um, that, you know, that's listed, uh, their skill at playing and bonding with people is listed. So you've got a pretty darn good profile of the animals that you're going to adopt. And another thing I would suggest is bring the people that you live with to visit the pet that you're thinking of adopting so that you can okay. see the interaction. We have rooms where everyone can get together. If you have another pet, bring the other pet so that they can meet this other potentially uh, adopted, adoptable animal. 
And all of those are great tips for finding the right pet for you. And also, if you're thinking of adopting, think in terms of your time and energy. Mm -hmm. How often do you travel and have to be away? That can Mm -hmm. really make the difference between um, choosing pets because some are more uh, mellow and, and, you know, you might consider an older pet, three or four. I don't mean an elderly pet near death, but I mean an older pet mm-hmm. that will be mellow and not chew up your home like a puppy would. Do you want to train a, pup, a puppy? You know, you have to think about all the hours investigated. Do you want a dog that will walk with you and enjoy the walks? Uh, do you want a couch potato? If you're a couch potato, then you don't want to have to feel like you have to take it for walks. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they should be exercised, obviously, but you don't have to feel right. like, you know, okay, got to walk them, got to walk them now. And, you know, it's, it's not that. So decide on your lifestyle, also a budget, because they will require veterinary care. Um, they will require certain vaccines uh, at times. Uh, they will require grooming. Generally, that's not all breeds. Uh, but right. if you pick a short hair breed, you're less likely to have a lot of grooming mm. issues. Um, do you want a big dog? Do you have a lot of room for it to roam? Or do you have a studio apartment? And, you know, having, you know, an Afghan hound is not the best idea, you know, or a Great Dane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are yeah, some no. of the considerations that you'd want to make before adopting a pet. And do your research. You've got Google, my God, and, and all these wonderful websites. Research yeah. the breed you're thinking of. If you like Dalmatians, well, you're going to know they, they're active. They love activity. Um, if you're more sedentary, you know, you're going to find a more sedentary breed. Jack Russells are notoriously uh, active. Mm-hmm. You know, they just jump around and are very athletic, etc., etc. They're hyper, man. They're hyper. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, my. My uncle had one named Fred or something like that, and that thing, he would bring it over, and I had two poodles at the time, and he would make the poodles run from them. It was kind of funny. He would just chase the poodles. <laughs> and, and those poodles are smart. Those are, they're beautiful, but I had the first animal that I really fell in love with was with um, I had a, a poodle named Brandy. And she was the best thing. She used to be my companion. We used to walk and everything. And when I lost her, I was devastated. I never yeah. felt so much pain. And um, you were talking about grief. We don't really talk about grief with animals and, and people. It's well, we do more stuff. so now. Thanks yeah. to programs like yours. Thanks to what we're doing at the SPCA. And, you know, um, we get publicity. And then people start to think, well, I'm not crazy. I love my cat, I love my dog, and I'm not crazy. This is a good thing. And they're play- And through our grief groups, oh, my God, we have mm-hmm. the most incredibly compassionate, kind, sensitive people attend our grief groups who, you know, they're encouraged to bring photographs and any information about their pets uh, that they want to share with the group. And these people are so so empathetic and so supportive mm-hmm. that I have made some of the dearest friends of mine in the world through the mm-hmm. program because you've got mm-hmm. people of like mind who get it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and who want you to feel better. And no, you don't yeah. go out and replace a pet, and that's something else I would like to tell people who have lost a pet. Don't go out and replace it. I don't care what people tell you. I know my mother told me, oh, well, just go to the shelter and get another one. No, no, you have no idea Caesar was so special to me. 
And and we knew each other. We understood each other. Other people just haven't had experience with animals, and they're not mean. They're not, you know, intending mm-hmm. to be cruel in any way. They just honestly don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they don't. So, Diane, um, we got to wrap it up. <laughs> I don't know no, no, about. say it isn't so. <laughs> but where can people find you? find your books um, because you have a laundry list of books, which is great because it sounds like you definitely know what you're talking about. And how can people, how how can you be? Well, I have a website. um, That's www.animalcompanionsandtheirpeople.com. And again, that's www.animalcompanions, plural, and is spelled out A-N-D, their people, T-H-E-I-R, people.com. So Animal Companions and Their People.com. And uh, there my books can be found on the website, uh, descriptions of the book, uh, clips from some of the programs, TV and radio that I've been a guest on, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of articles, a lot of information that people may want to read about older animals, animals and holiday we've got july 4th coming up and people don't know what to do with their animals and they must keep them out of harm's way put the radio Mm -hmm. on put the television on keep them locked in the house because animals Mm -hmm. as a rule are terrified of that that noise and you that's the time of year when most of the animals escape because they're so Mm -hmm. petrified of of the noise and and craziness that's out there so keep them at home with television on with radio on whatever you prefer and um again you know uh different different seasonal issues are how to take care of your pet in the fall and in the winter and spring um so there are a variety of articles on my website that people can view and print out of course and and uh learn a lot about animals but again, um, that my books are all on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, so they can find them there, and uh, they, you know, can Google me, Dr. Diane Pomerantz or Diane Pomerantz, and it's spelled P-O-M-E-R-A-N-C-E. But I'm thrilled that uh, when people are interested in animals, and it's such a, a blessing to me personally. So mm-hmm. I value that contact. Well, yes, and. Uh... Thank you for coming on today and educating us on shelter animals and rescues. And they rescue us more than we rescue them, I feel. That's my It's opinion. true. I agree with you. Yeah. And um, this is Amy Toy for Angel Answers with Amy Toy. Maybe you can carry you through. And have a great week. <laughs>